Welcome to the Geek Out Heroes. This is Vargo. Miles. Anderson. And listeners, to start us off, I have to make a correction. I have been wrong about when Stranger Things 4, uh, part or part 2, volume 2, whatever they want to call it, is coming out. It is not coming out in June. It comes out at the beginning of July. So my apologies. It won't be coming out at the beginning of next month. You still have part or part 1 or version 1 at the end of this month, and then you have part two version two, whatever the fuck or volume two, whatever the fuck they wanted to call it uh, at the beginning of July. So yeah, you get a whole month of them just trying to drain money out of you for a month just to get you to stick around for an extra month. So it's even worse than what I thought it was. Uh, what's even funnier is the fact that when I talked about it with Loach, Loach had brought up the fact that he's like, Oh, I thought the, uh, is it the root? Uh, is, it, is it the Duffer brothers? I think you're right. The Duffer brothers. I don't remember. Something amongst the line. Uh, he said, oh, they, they had made that request that it was going to be delayed. And I went, well, that's great. They might have made the request that it was going to be delayed, but they could have said, we want it delayed by a week or or two weeks. And Netflix went, oh, well, we can do membership retention by just expanding that. So <clears throat> listeners, don't fool yourselves in thinking that the creators were like, oh, they wanted to make a break or they wanted to make sure there was time between this and the last parts. Because the last parts are apparently basically two movies. Which is kind of strange, but still, ah, that is very weird. But still, like the Netflix wanted to turn around and they wanted to make sure that they could sparse this out as long as possible. And a lot of people keep saying, "Oh no, it's because of production stuff." Really, production stuff within the next month. You don't think they're done with the film? Yeah, they're probably already wrapped. Yeah, reeks of nothing but 
a company that wanted to make sure that they retained as much of a uh, membership as they could because they fully expect to lose two two million members in the next couple of months. So that should tell you something. Yeah, I think uh, I think they were some of the same uh, people that were were uh, complaining that their content was being consumed too quickly. So I mean, they might have had some sort of uh, interest in in spanning it out, but ultimately, yeah, I think it's Netflix's call to for member retention, like I said. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think Netflix had brought up the fact that their customers uh, go through and binge watch all their content too quickly. And they, then when they say too, too quickly listeners, it's literally what miles bring up with men with membership retention of, because we burn through all their stuff so fast, they can't keep members around to watch other stuff on their programs. And part of the reason for that in Netflix is because a majority of the stuff that you guys make is shit. And Netflix is finally figuring that out with the fact that they're canceling a lot of fucking shows and a lot of programs, uh, a lot of uh, TV shows, uh, movies are being canceled. Projects that were going to be in the works are being canceled. Um, part of this has to do with also they're doing a lot of layoffs. And uh, one person came up and was, you know, talking about the fact that Netflix made this big uh, spiel about bringing in uh what do they call it Disen- the the disenfranchised the minorities that don't get a voice in the industry and they brought in all these people and now they're the first ones to go you know trying to make it seem like this is exactly how the company or the that the company was virtue signaling the whole time and trying to make it seem like they they're just realizing this and that the company showing their true colors. I hate to tell you this. These companies have always been virtue signaling the entire fucking time. Every time they've sat there and said, okay, black lives matter. Okay. Pro choice. Any of that shit. It's always been virtue signaling. They never cared about you. They never will. They're companies. If you think a corporation actually cares about their customers, you're an idiot. I just wonder what took them so long. Because usually we've been discussing this of everything going on. It's usually the money that causes people to sing elsewise. Well, that's the thing is they finally started losing money. It's because they had that for the first time in the history of the company, they just had to tell their shareholders that they lost members. We talked about this a lot on the last podcast. Remember we, you know, we, we brought up the fact that the reason why uh, this whole, like this whole thing has come about is because they're, they're turning around and like, oh shit, like we've actually lost members. Usually they're the memberships for Netflix and all this is true for all streaming services. It goes up and down, but usually it goes down and then it goes up at the same time. They're getting more memberships back. So it kind of fluctuates and, uh, you know, throughout, but at no point at the end of the year, have they ever had to say we lost members. And at the end of this, fa- this past fiscal year, they had to tell their shareholders for the first time in the history of this company that they lost over 250,000 members that never came back. And when they were looking at why, like they were trying to figure out why this was happening. Well, part of it has to do with your programming and it listeners. It's not just woke stuff. A lot of people keep saying, oh, it's go woke, go broke. It's not just woke stuff. It's just the fact that they keep making low quality shit programming that nobody cares about. They keep making shows that people don't watch. They invest in movies that people don't care about or think are trash. And they go, well, if you guys are just, if you're just going to make everything a six, you know, what is six underground, if everything's going to be that, then fuck you. I'm out. That movie's garbage and it's not fun garbage. For me, it was just content. I just have no interest in. And a lot of that stuff is just, I don't care about the show. I don't care about the stuff that's happening. Like, uh, you know, he's expecting, which is 
you know, dropping at the worst possible time, a live action version of a, a manga that was made back in 2012. It's fine as a manga. It's, it's, a, it's a women's comic. And it's designed to be a comic for the female audience. It even says that's what its genre was for. That's the, the author even said that's what it was made for. And it was basically kind of showing a character that couldn't relate to women's issues because he was a man, but it now lives in a world. He lives in a world where men can become pregnant the same way women can. It's a world where it, that doesn't make sense biologically to us in, re, in reality, but it's not a real world. It was a fake world. And that was the whole point of showing that if the stigmas that were currently in Japanese culture and are in even still exist today with unexpected pregnancies, how people get treated when that happens. And it was showing it from a, how a man deals with it and how it changes him and the people around him as well. I was like, okay, that's a very different story than what you hear from Netflix on it, right? Netflix is pushing it like it's woke, you know, oh, we're, we're progressive and everything like that. And how progressive is this show? Man, a man gets pregnant. That's what you hear from promotions. That's what you hear from media and, and stuff like that. And meanwhile, we, we look at it and we're like, well, this is just woke garbage when that wasn't the intent of the original artwork or the original work at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, knee jerk reaction when, when I first saw anything about it, uh, I thought it was just based off of that. <clears throat> That couple that uh, one of them's a uh, trans woman, uh, two man, uh, and, yeah, you know, got pregnant, and they're like, "Oh, it's the first pregnant man," and immediately, you know, when that when that story broke, I was like, "No, that's that's a that's still a pregnant chick." Yeah, there are even so, yeah, there are even <laughs> social like social comics in manga that uh, address things like that. Yeah. And that's what you immediately, but, but you immediately want to jump to that because that's where our culture is today. That's where, yeah. that's where we're at of looking at like, God damn, like trying to battle the woke. It feels, in, it feels like you're going insane because it's fucking everywhere. So you end up seeing it everywhere. It's hard not to because so much agenda is behind everything. And even though this was a Japanese show and the original creator and the uh, showrunner, in Japan, it wasn't their intention to have it be woke at all, that it was supposed to be just solely based off of the manga. Well, Netflix rode that train because Netflix sat there and saw an opportunity of, oh, we can show how progressive we are by putting this on. And that's what it comes down to, listeners. That's why we see these companies like, God, dude, you guys make some of the dumbest fucking choices we've ever seen. And unfortunately for that series, that's going to pay for it and as, as a result, because I guarantee you there's not a lot of people watching it. Yeah, as just because of where we're at today, culturally. I mean, for, for God's sake, listeners, I got a fucking ad for Calvin Klein that showed a pregnant man with his girlfriend. What? No joke. <laughs> I was on fucking YouTube and that shit popped up and I went, the fuck is this nonsense? That is nonsense. Yes, this this guy with this massive fucking belly and this, his girlfriend comes up on the bed and puts her arms around him. And I was like, what the fuck? Found out it, it, there's even a fucking billboard of that shit in fucking New York. I was like, this is ridiculous well some of these some of these companies are slowly figuring out that uh you know the uh the loud woke audience is not the majority yeah they're not the ones paying your guys bills look at sony look at uh look at like netflix sat there and listeners we applaud netflix for doing this it should this should have been happening a long time ago of telling your employees look i don't care what your personal views are you're not going to, you're, we're not going to let you bully other employees for one. We're not going to let you bully our content into 
being canceled. Like this isn't going to happen. If you don't like it, go fucking somewhere else. You can always, it's a free market. Go work somewhere else. We're not going to put up with it. They should have done that a fucking long time ago. Netflix, you're finally, finally pulling your, your balls out of their purse and speaking for yourself. As a company, you have no business talking about political issues. You have no business talking about anything else other than being a company and making money. That's it. That is your only fucking job. Making sure your employees stay employed. Yeah, it kind of makes you uh, wonder why more uh, companies don't get in trouble by their uh, shareholders. Right. When it comes to this kind of shit. Because it's like, yeah. you know, if I, if I was a major shareholder in some of this shit i'd be talking to him be like uh you're here to make money like and what you're doing is counterproductive to that <laughs> yeah absolutely disney should have taken this stance a long time ago they tried to when they tried to sit there and say we're not going to get involved in any of this stuff they tried to do the step back and then they gave in to the woke mob because they thought that the woke mob was the loudest never mind the fact that it turned out that the majority of the woke mob are bots on twitter there are these people who are just creating bots to retweet and re reiterate whatever the person's saying and make it seem like there's this loud voice that doesn't exist. Yeah. The vast majority of people, if there's something that doesn't appeal to them, they just won't fucking bother with it. Yeah. You know, they're not out Absolutely. there, you know, fucking signaling this upsets me, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a small, and that's exactly it. Yeah. That's a small crowd that does that. Yeah. But anyways, these companies have finally started taking these stances, right? And Sony is one of them. And not to go too long on this, but Sony came back and said, the head of Sony USA came back and said that, you know, respect their, sent out an email saying, respect everybody's opinions. Don't, don't, you know, hate on, hate on each other and know that not everybody shares the same feelings as you do and just respect that. Now, the end of his email was fucking stupid. I'm not going to deny that. I mean, who the fuck wants to hear about a cat's birthday? But still, he was trying to reiterate the fact of just respect what other people have to say and what other people think as their own thoughts and don't get mad at them for thinking differently than you. And that was the the key takeaway. But unfortunately, for some dumbass fucking reason, people in the company decided, oh, my God, how insensitive of him, because listeners keep in mind, this is he sent, he sent this out because of uh, what was going on with Roe v. Wade and knew that there was a lot of discourse happening within the company between employees. And he wanted to make sure that everybody knew you're all different. We get that. So respect one another. For some reason, people thought that it was so insensitive of him because he ended it talking about his cat's birthdays. And don't get me wrong. Again, I think it's stupid. But at the same time, how fucking much of a snowflake do you have to be to get mad at the fact that he sat there and said, respect each other's opinions, then talked about his cat's birthday and you immediately got upset about it? How fucking little are you as a person? Yeah. Mark it off as dumb and move on. Yeah, I sat there and I I, I watched I, I I watched the whole thing on it and then I went and read what the email said. I'm like, this is stupid. Like, yeah. I respect the first part, but the last part's just kind of dumb. And he's trying to be lighthearted about stuff, but he like, get the fuck over it, guys. I mean, even in the grand scheme of things, the first part, and we've had this talk before. <clears throat> you know, treating people with general respect is just should be just inherent. It shouldn't be right. Even something that needs to be said. You know, the whole. You know, you don't have anything nice to say. Don't open your fucking mouth kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, we never have anything nice to say, but we just decided to say it anyways. (laughs) (laughs) 
But I like uh, uh, I was watching uh, Young Ripper uh, earlier today, last night. Can't remember which one. Yeah. And uh, there was two people wrote an article about like uh, uh, video game industry is is strangely quiet about the whole Roe v. Wade situation. I'm like, nothing strange uh, about it. And there's yeah, I was like, so (laughs) it's like they have nothing to fucking do with it. Yeah, they're a fucking video You're, game industry. Yeah, I, I guess like Bungie and I can't remember what. Oh, because because bu- so Bungie had said something and and uh, no, it was it was Bungie and Skill Up. You know, uh, the one of the, he was one of the review guys we watch on YouTube. Mm. Um, the the British guy. Uh, so we we watch listeners. We we watch a whole plethora of different things uh, as a collective, right? And that's where you can see like we we watch young Ripa, we watch skill up and they have clearly two different views right but uh bungie decided to go off and shoot off you know shoot their mouth off and say we support roe v wade and support pro-choice never mind the fact that i again listeners i guarantee you there's at least one person in that company that is pro-life yeah absolutely it, it, the odds of everyone in that company <laughs> being pro-choice or is it would be astronomical yeah, I mean, uh, as, especially as, given as, how big Bungie is now. As polarizing as a topic as it is, it, you'd be lucky if it's not closer to 50%. Right? We saw that and we went, well, and we that's why we talked about it in our podcast listeners. That's why we brought up the fact of what of all what all of our our individual thoughts are. And Young Rip even brought up and I think I remember watching this one as well, Miles, that he brought up the fact that if as a person, if you work in that company, you are free to say and do whatever the fuck you want. He had the exact same thoughts as we. You yeah. can say and do whatever you want. You can vote however you want. That's why you are an individual. But as a yeah. company, you shouldn't have anything to fucking say on it because you don't represent everyone in that company when yeah. you turn around and say something like that. And when I saw skill ups whole thing of like, oh, they're not taking you. Cr-. Shut the fuck up, dude. Seriously, give me a fucking break. Like, I know we don't have a listener base like you, but give me a fucking break, guy. Not everyone in that company is represented by what Bungie said. Not everyone in their whole whole customer base is representative by what they said. Yeah. Clearly, there were plenty of people who were pro-choice who sat there and said, I don't want you to worry about anything. I want you to do one fucking thing. Make my games and make them great. That is your only fucking job, not to fix societies itself. I got it covered. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a corporation. I don't give a fuck what you think. I give a fuck yeah. what you do. <laughs> Absolutely. Your actions speak louder than your words, which is very fucking evident given the amount of times that you've not said anything about freedom of speech, given the amount of times that you've not stepped in on any other political issues, but because someone on the left or someone at, t- at Twitter retweeted, oh my gosh, I can't believe these companies aren't supporting this, that you decided to step into the fucking political arena like Disney? Are you dumb? Yeah. Well, the answer is yes. You said it, it comes back to that question. How does this benefit you, you know, financially when it you doesn't? Yeah. How does it benefit you financially? How does it benefit you when you alienate a portion of your audience? Yeah. And and workforce. It's just fucking stupid. Yeah. Are you really thinking you put out that kind of an opinion and, and all of a sudden there's like two million people that are like, oh, man, I can't believe they believe this way. I'm going to go buy their game right now. Like yeah. that doesn't fucking happen. <laughs> that's why I respect Nobody's Sony. That's that. why I respect PlayStation and and Netflix's decision of if you know what, if you don't fucking like it, get the fuck out. No. That we're not going to be social justice warriors for you. Get the fuck out. If it's if if you were here to make sure you made a societal impact, you're in the wrong business. Yeah. 
you're a full-time employee, you get benefits, go go seek therapy for your your troubles. Yeah. <laughs> this should have happened years ago, listeners, but I'm glad it's finally happening now. So good job, Netflix. Good job, PlayStation. Worry about what you're making. Worry about your product. Worry about whether or not you're getting members, whether or not you're getting customers. Don't worry about what's happening in society as a whole right now, because the rest of us are the ones voting on it, not you as a company. Yeah, doesn't affect your company. Yeah, we have plenty of companies that already step their toes in the political arena too much as it is and influence too many policies as it is, and we would like to get them the fuck out too. Absolutely. That's why lobbying should be fucking illegal. Yep. Because it's no longer lobbying for a cause. You're now lobbying for the rights of a company. You're now lobbying for more money, for greed. That's what happens. Yep. So we're, we're fine. Thanks. We don't need you to be our social justice warriors on Twitter. We don't need our companies to reiterate the same things that we believe. Do you think I look, do you think I look to, to the gaming companies that I play to, to reaffirm my Christian beliefs? No, obviously not. So why would I want them taking the same stance on other things? Why would I want them rehashing my stances on other things? I wouldn't. I would rather them just shut the fuck up and make a game. It's that whole thing with the NBA. Shut the fuck up and just play the game. Yeah. yeah. You can have your fucking opinions, but go fuck yourself with them. <laughs> but when you're, when you're interfering with the game, when you're interfering with, you're with, with what you're paid to do yeah. so that you can make a, a statement. This isn't the 1960s. Speaking of companies that are slowly learning, going the full woke or, or the social justice warrior uh, side of things and pushing for, only uh, the policies that they see being reiterated to them on Twitter uh, and are learning that that's a terrible fucking idea and they should have never done it in the first place. The CW announced that they have three shows after a failure, or I would say the failure of the Arrowverse. They've lost money on the Arrowverse for years. The show's ratings for the Arrowverse have been down for so fucking long that we couldn't figure out why they were keeping them going. Well, it was because they thought that they, they thought that they were gaining brownie points in the social justice area, but they weren't making any money, which sounds like a terrible business land to me, but okay. Your shows still fucking sucked, (laughs) right? It's like somebody who makes pastries and we're filling them with shit because somebody thought it was a great choice health wise, but that person never ate their fucking pastries. And meanwhile, everybody else went, these taste like shit. Well, it's really sad about the CW shows like The Flash, probably the first season of The Arrow. They were great in the first two seasons. Oh, like, yeah. Like, what the fuck? Well, then they got the they got that uh, new show coming out, Winchesters, you know, focusing on John and Mary. Oh, yeah. I have a, I have a note for that. I said, like, so they have the <laughs> Winchesters. They have, wa- yeah. they have a Walker pre- prequel, which is hysterical considering Walker failed. Um they have a uh, Knights and the Knights of Gotham, not to be confused with the game Knights of Gotham, which we'll get into in a little bit too. Uh, but the Winchesters, this reeks of an act of desperation. Oh yeah, absolutely. They're trying to get fans back. It's oh yeah. The, yeah, it's the one show. It's the one license where they were just bilking, you know, fucking viewership and, and money in, oh, yeah. in comparison to all their other properties, really. And, uh, you know, it feels like they had double, oh, we, had double the viewership of any of their other shows. Yeah. We need to somehow, you know, make a show to, to, you know, dominate it on top of that. Uh, you already had a show that had promise for that and you fucking disregarded it. 
you fucking disregarded <laughs> it. And it was actually going to be a show which, which, which would have been primarily filled with female roles. And we were actually looking forward to it. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> and you guys said, nah, because they were well-written characters. <laughs> yeah. And you guys said, fuck it. Yeah. So much yeah. for, so much for trying to, uh, push for women representation, right? Yeah. So this and strong this, female leads, this doesn't look good. <laughs> like, I no. don't think I'm even going to give it a shot. Honestly. Uh, it, it, like you said, it reeks of desperation. Oh yeah. I'll give the pilot a shot. Uh, let us no, know how it no, is. No, I'm good. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah, good. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take the. Uh, on top of that, they're doing a Gotham Knights show, which uh, I I don't oh, know who the God. fuck this is for. But it, it seems bad. it seems to me like the studio is so really trying bad. to cash in on. They're trying to cash in on the fact that they, that a game of the same name is coming out, probably. Um, and that they're trying to quickly put that together as as fast as possible. But this is very much just nine hundred two one zero. Batman. Yeah. To me. Thanks. With no Batman. (laughs) I think it's a combination of them cashing in and trying to desperately keep hold of the license. How would they lose the the license? Explain that to me. CW is owned by Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers owns DC. Maybe not. Either way, it's it's, (laughs) it's desperate act. Yeah. Yeah. Until they sell it to another company. Which, if, if fucking, dude, if Disney buys DC, I'm done. I'm out. At this point, I don't think it's going to make Entirely. any difference because DC's been going downhill pretty fucking fast. Yeah. Like I just said, I was looking up into the latest issue what they're doing with Batman. Now Batman is a gay black man. Is he still Bruce Wayne? Yeah, the way they're rewriting the story is he's Bruce Wayne from the projects. Then how is he Batman? That's Listeners, that's one of the things with Batman is he's <laughs> able to do the things he does because he has a shit ton of money. Yeah, it's a superpower. Yeah. yeah. You can learn a fuck ton of martial arts when you have enough money right. to get the trainers. You can travel the world when you when you have tons of money. You can own a Batmobile when you have tons of money. You can build a bat, you know, the the Batwing when you have tons of money. When you don't have tons of money, you're a guy in a cape. You're Rorschach. <laughs> when you don't have money. You're just a nut job in a fucking costume. You guys never seen Kick Ass? <laughs> <laughs> like that. That, that, oh, that sounds... guy has money. Oh, guns are expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was talking about this is the main character. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were talking about uh, what's his name, uh, Big Daddy or Nick Cage's. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, Nick Cage's, Nick Cage's yeah. character. Yeah. Uh, originally the uh the closest thing we ever got to the dark knight and then we finally got the dark knight uh <laughs> but yeah the uh <laughs> that that show seems like it is just it's it seems to me like it's really just trying to cash in on the fact that we have that we have a gotham knights coming out it's not going to be associated with the 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 game but they're similar and we'll get similar audiences from it and uh oh kids you know we need to attract the the tween audience and the teenage audience, so we're going to create a drama version of Batman without Batman. So I was like, "Oh, that's fucking stupid." And like you said, the the new Batman is now a, a poor listeners that that has nothing to do with his color at this point or or his sexuality. That has everything to do with the fact that that doesn't make sense. <laughs> if he had a superhero power and and was still Batman, okay, then that makes more sense. 
you're basically just trying to remake Watchmen at this point. Only instead you've turned Rorschach into a homosexual black man. Which, by the way, listeners, if you didn't know this, Rorschach was extremely racist and uh, homophobic. So, Yeah, Watchmen, if you read it, it's pretty dark. That's why I laugh when people are like, oh, he's my favorite character. I'm like, really? A, a homophobic racist is your favorite character? All right, well, that's weird. <laughs> that's what made Ozzy Mandis a good villain, because sometimes you can didn't argue with his logic. Yeah, he was he took logic to a whole new level. Mm. Yeah. He was a good villain. Absolutely. Uh he was he like that's that's partly why I liked the Thanos of the MCU was it was very much kind of the similar of taking logic to this extreme level of this is the only thing I see is an out is a good outcome. Even though I think the real reason why he did that's because he went to the movies and nobody would turn off their fucking phone. <laughs> So he's like, fuck this shit. I'm going to be at half this day right now. Wouldn't it be great if I could just wipe out these people with a single snap of my finger? And that set him on that course. Yeah, it it just doesn't like that. The show doesn't look good. And on top of that, the video game that that we've been hearing about, the Gotham Knights, another uh, Batman game without Batman that's now been turned been turned into co-op because the amount of people who were sat there going, really, it's not co-op like this totally looks like it should be co-op the entire time Yeah, uh, with everything that they showed is now finally co-op. But on top of that, they started showing off some of the gameplay recently and it doesn't look good. It looks very, it's a lot of polishing. Yeah. It looks very clunky. It looks very like not, not great animations. Uh, I got to agree. I think Jason Todd looks like he ate Jason Todd. Um, it doesn't look good. It looks, it looks very unpolished and looks very, uh, it doesn't look like it has the same, like it's made by the same team that made any of the other Batman games. And that's the problem. If it pops up on uh, game pass, I'll check it out. <laughs> it's definitely not something I'm buying. Yeah. I have zero interest, especially after they said it doesn't take place in the Arkhamverse. I was like, well, no, no, I'm good. And it also looks like it's supposed to be, it looks like it was, it was meant to be a games as a service game, much like uh, Marvel Avengers. And they they saw what was going on with Marvel Avengers and quickly went, oh, no, 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 no. We're not going to do games as a service. That's a bad idea. But they're catching on more than other when than other uh, <laughs> than other companies when it comes to that looks like a bad idea. Speaking of uh, things that uh, aren't looking good, EA left out Battlefield 24 or 2042 from the active titles list, which is interesting to a lot of the players and community and as, as a whole, considering that usually means that a title is dead. And while EA consistently says it's not dead, uh, it seems like you guys are going to take this the way of Anthem and just drop it off and say, fuck this shit. Yeah. It belongs at the bottom of a lake. Given the uh, the player counts of, of recent. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of is dead. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it it seems like the that's that that's not really a good look for the company overall. And uh, after that massive failure from Battlefield and on top of that, EA, EA also said that they lost uh, or well, sorry, EA and FIFA are splitting. I should say they didn't lose the license. Technically, EA and FIFA just didn't come to a full agreement and decided to split off and do their own thing. So here's what actually what actually is happening behind that listeners. The <laughs> the real story is that the Football Association noticed that EA was making $6 billion a year off their, off their name, their property uh, with ultimate team. And they went, Oh, okay, well you guys are making $6 billion a year. 
And a couple of years back, they tried to renegotiate their contract. And the renegotiation was essentially sharing some of that money. And EA went, no, we're good. We're making $6 billion a year. We're fine with with the way it is. And he was like, well, we're not. And now that their contract is up, and this is where, rene- where the actual renegotiations come, come into play, FIFA decided we're not going to renegotiate anything. We're just going to take the license back. Go fuck yourself. So FIFA has decided to basically create their own gaming division, or they're going to look at hiring another company that's willing to do it and actually going to play ball with them. Uh, my suggestion is not going with Konami <laughs> after... Uh, the uh, pro evolution soccer debacle that took place. But uh, because EA, this is where this is where a company pisses in their own shoes. They refused to renegotiate, even though they were making billions of dollars a year off of this property. And now that they can't renegotiate and FIFA is going to be leaving, they might as well just knock $6 billion off their, their income every year. And this also comes after, a, you know, EA is reportedly looking to merge or be bought out by other companies. And they've met with the likes of Apple, Disney, and Amazon recently in talks about possibly doing, you know, a merger. I think Comcast as well. Oh, did they, did they meet with Comcast? I didn't see that in the list, but uh, that, yeah, that's probably so. a newer development. Um, <clears throat> but with the stipulation of the company would continue to make games. What's really funny to me is the fact that the the reports that are talking about this are trying to spin it to be a good thing. This is where the PR machine comes to comes in handy of working with reporters and trying to get them to spin it to be, oh, well, they're still trying to make sure that they can do what they've always done, which is make games. No, this is a act of desperation. This is where a company went, we just lost $6 billion a year. We need to be bought out fast because we're going to start dropping in price. We need to find an umbrella. Yeah, we're losing money. We are going to be losing money and we're going to be valued at less. So we need to sell while we're still high. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're doing. So here's the thing to any company looking at buying them, you might as well automatically knock off $6 billion to whatever you're going to buy. You're going to pay for them with. Right. Just to let you know. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, you know, some of the some of the people they have sat down with, there was legitimate offers that were talked about and just no, no agreement could be reached. So yeah. it makes you kind of wonder what they think they're worth yeah EA, what do you think you're worth what do you think your ceos are worth because <laughs> if i were a company and i were to buy you i'd immediately fire every single person in your leadership instantly <laughs> I, still, I still like my idea <laughs> oh the fucking loot boxes too <laughs> yeah give yeah, bucks see create, if you still have a job <laughs> create ten thousand loot box or create you know tons of loot boxes make them ten thousand dollars a piece yeah and then make them pay to see if they get to keep their job. Continued, uh, yeah, you might you might have a continued contract in there. One of these has a one of these has a uh, retirement umbrella in them. No, I'm no, not going to tell, tell them you. the odds, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell them the odds. Oh no, not, not going to tell them the odds. Just tell them. <laughs> just tell them there, there's an uh, there's a retirement umbrella in there somewhere. You could you could possibly get that. <laughs> the vast majority of it just cosmetics thing, things this like doesn't seem fair and, really it seemed fair to all your fucking customers to you <laughs> it's filled with glitter yeah fucking glitter bomb yeah that, that one guy though just saying oh i really want to keep my job you know if we get bought you know or merge I'm like fat fucking chance yeah <laughs> 
if anybody has any kind of sense, a lot of that seniority is gone. You guys make terrible fucking choices. You don't know how to run your teams. You told you told for years, you told people that uh, single player games were not, not going to continue, that they were terrible, which hate to tell you this. That's absolutely not true. And speaking of uh, single player games, uh, Elden Ring outsold Call of Duty Vanguard within two months. And listeners, the reason why this is a big deal now, Call of Duty Vanguard, not a good game. People know it's not a good game. It got bad reviews. It you know, was kind of lambasted by the community. But here's the thing. Call of Duty Vanguard, regardless of it being a bad game, it's a Call of Duty game. And Call of Duty games sell well by any other company standards. They make their money back. So whether it was a good game or not and underperformed to the rest of the Call of Duty like series, it actually performed well as a game in general. And Elden Ring outsold it in two months. So that should tell you any of those companies out there that say, oh, single player experiences are dead. It's primarily a single player experience. And obviously people want that still. This is true from that. This is true from Horizon Zero Dawn or Horizon Forbidden West. And Sony, if you're wondering why people haven't bought Horizon, it's because we can't get PS5s. And since your saves don't translate over from one console generation to another, well, it's pointless for us to buy the game until we can get a PS5, especially since it doesn't run very well in last generation. Not doing yourself any favors. Yep. Bring everything over to PC. (laughs) I'll play your games. I'll buy them. As long as they work. As long as they work. (laughs) This is definitely spurred on uh, from software to continue to uh, make the games that they've always wanted to make. And they are looking at uh, further DLC for uh, Elden Ring, which is nice to hear as well as looking into what their next game might be. I hope that at the same time from software's parent company is looking at the fact that their developers are the most underpaid, some of the most underpaid developers in the entire industry. Since they're based in Tokyo, they don't make enough money to live there. Just saying, just putting that out there. They, they kind of deserve a kudos and a big fucking pay raise for that feat. Guys, are you listening? Somebody translate this for them. <laughs> yeah, their parent, their parent company is Kanagawa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, but speaking of sequels and uh, companies continue to work on the games that they want to make. Uh, Norman Reedus <laughs> casually <laughs> leaked the possibility that Death Stranding 2 is being currently worked on and uh, in early stages with uh, Kojima. So uh, listeners, as you know, Kojima left uh, Konami because, well, Konami got rid of him because they were being douchebags and he fucking hated the company. So he went and left and made his own company because he knew he could get one, the financial backing and two, the community support to do what he wanted to do. And it was there, including a major major investment from Sony, which is why we all thought that Sony was going to turn around and buy his studio. But that hasn't happened. That story with Norman Reedus was funny as hell, uh, Miles, when you were telling me about that. The fact that uh, Guillermo del Toro, (laughs) who gave uh, Norman Reedus his first shot in the the film industry, and uh, he had called him up and told him he's going to get a call from, from this guy named Kojima Kojima. It just says, just say, yes. just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. Just say yes. They're like, 
don't be an asshole. Just say just yes. Say yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so given given the their early relationship and the fact that it was uh, Guillermo del Toro telling him this, uh, he went with it and just said yes. And that's how you ended up with Norma Reedus one in Silent Hills uh, before that mm-hmm. was canceled, and then two in uh, Death Stranding. And uh, Death Stranding yeah. kind of transferred over from what their their work in Silent Hills and the fact that. He saw what Kojima's passion was, saw some of the stuff that he was working on and wanted to be a part of that. And when he heard that he was working on another project and Guillermo del Toro said that he's, he's going to get another call from him, <laughs> he would say, just say yes again. And Norma just said, yeah. So he's like, he wasn't going to turn it down. Yeah. The, uh, he was talking about, uh, Death Stranding and how well it did. And, uh, yeah, he was like, so we're doing that again. We're already working on the second one. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, like, nah, it's one of, it was one of those uh, <laughs> rare instances where uh, Hollywood talent actually did add something to the game and and, and did do uh, do service to the gaming industry. Usually when that happens, listeners, like they'll hire voice actors with this you know prestigious uh, uh, name or something like that to do it. And they're kind of pompous and douchey and because they don't work in voice acting, typically it's not as good and they're hard to work with because it's harder for the directors to get them to do what they want them to do. We've heard this countless times from other studios that have had, have, have tried to do this and have had nightmare stories of working with these big talents. And part of that is the fact that if, of a lot of people in Hollywood don't really understand games. They don't want to understand games. That was one of the unique things with Keanu Reeves working on uh, cyberpunk was the fact that it actually got him into understanding the video gaming industry and why people play these games and stuff like that. And he loves that idea. While he's not a big gamer himself, the idea behind video games is something that he actually kind of has a passion for now. And he sees it as, yeah, it's kind of like a new ven- It's like a new venue for, for movies, like an interactive movies, that kind of stuff. So yeah, he thought that was for- kind of cool. I think for a lot of it, you know, you know, one of the key things people say is uh, acting is reacting. Yeah. And a lot of the voice over kind of stuff that you typically went on, not so much at anymore these days. Because uh, they have mocap and stuff like that. Yeah. Hands on mocap and stuff like yeah. that. But I mean, for a long time there, it was just them in a booth, you know, watching a screen. And so there's nothing to really react to. And yeah, absolutely. So only that's why you had voice actors that could do it really well. Cause they already knew how to handle that yeah. most of the time. Whereas actors didn't really have that to go off of for, uh, for a lot of them. Yeah. So I think we're getting the benefit of, of that inclusion of the, the mocap and actual people on stage with you, you know, getting the shit done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's a really good point, especially since like, I mean, we, we started seeing that start to happen, especially with uh, like games like Uncharted. Uh, I think that was one of the first games in within, uh, especially for Naughty Dog, just a studio within Sony saying, OK, what we're going to do is we're going to take motion capture of the people playing the parts and we're going to use that to help our animators. We're going to use that to help with, uh, you know the actors just being able to understand the roles better being able to talk with each other. And it creates this more uh, cinematic dynamic with, mm-hmm. uh, with how, th- how these games are come together, the stories come together and, and how they're made. And that technology just kept ramping up and ramping up and ramping up. We saw it in last of us too. We saw it in, you know, fucking LA noir and how 
important that for that, like, even though they're, they're somewhat exaggerated so that you can, you get the visual cues as a player. Uh, it still was very important that faces actually were faces and moved and, and reacted to one another. And they were actually talking with, with other, uh, the, the people they were talking to, and it wasn't just a person in a booth, like you said. So yeah, yeah it feels more authentic. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it, the evolution of that has just been tremendous uh, all the way up to God of War and seeing uh, Christopher Judge being able to play Kratos on the stage and stuff like that, or like on a, on a, a sound stage where they're doing the mocap with him. And I cannot remember the, the, the kid's name that plays the uh, Atreus, but he, the, you watch them work together and it's like, holy shit. Like they, they were making these scenes that we see in the game. So that they could turn them into the characters and that creates a very different experience. And, you know, before when, when they were originally talking about how the fact that they changed over to Christopher judge to play Kratos and stuff like that, I was kind of like, oh, I was weary about it because the guy who had played Kratos before had always done the voice work for Kratos for all the games. And I was like, I don't know about this. This is kind of a weird choice. Um, but he did he fucking knocked it out of the park and right. did such a great job. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's Kratos. So, okay. <laughs> good job um it really did like there were there were moments like that where i kind of like i was really against like voice actors being cha- changed over for other people who are doing doing similar voice acting or doing a uh you know doing their own voice work for a character that had like a long-standing franchise like what happened with uh, metal gear solid 5 and uh changing over from david hater to uh lost boys right yes uh, Anderson, come on. <laughs> You're good. Yeah, where are you? Are you asleep? Is he asleep? No, I'm just digging <laughs> on my brain. I think it's Kiefer Sutherland. Okay. There you go. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, there's a K in there. I don't know where the fuck it is. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's Southland. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, Maybe keep, I was keep, just waiting for you guys to say you finally needed me on the team. <laughs> Interject at any time. God damn it. You know how the podcast works. No, it's uh yeah, you're right. It's Kiefer Sutherland. Uh so yeah. he came into play solid or uh or big boss, I should say. And uh yeah, he played big boss for a while. And well he he only played he only played it for the one game. But he the came, only one game? Yep, only for the one game. Before that, be it was so always... good, that's who I associate with it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he played. He came in and played uh, Snake for that title, and then, uh, but before that, it was always played by David Hayter, and that was the the voice I had always associated with it. Now, I, I still, I still like Hayter's approach to uh, to Snake better than Kiefer, but Kiefer did a great job regardless. And at the same time, Kiefer was also doing the the mocap for it, which was what helped his character tremendously in making the, in, in making that game. And, uh, it really did kind of change my mind on like, okay, maybe I took it to extremes of the fact that, you know, fuck that, you know, I get, you know, I, I got so fucking hyperbolic about it, getting pissed off at the fact that they couldn't believe they had changed the actor, the voice actor that I was just like, I don't want to play the game. I saw the game and actually watched somebody, you know, watched some gameplay. I was like, Oh, it's actually pretty damn good looking. And Kiefer Sullivan is doing a good job. So, uh, you know what really won me over, just even on a tangent, but showing the uh, you know Hollywood actors and stuff. Yeah, was uh, Until Dawn. Oh yeah, yeah. Until Dawn was Dark Picture Games was great. Uh, another you know yeah another vo- another mocap 
uh, game where they're just like, all right, well, we, we have actual actors interacting with each other. And that's one of the things that they found out with, uh, even with, even with some voice actors, like some voice actors are both, they do voice acting and acting, which is a great combination because they yeah. can handle both, both ends of the, uh, the spectrum and they don't have any problems with it. A lot of actors don't, can't do voice acting. This is just the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they have to have that interaction. And with mocap that blends all of that, that changes that dynamic of like, Oh, you actually have somebody to interact with. You actually have somebody to talk to. You're not just, and it's even better for them on the fact that they're not like so many times in a movie, they're having to interact with something that's not there and act like it's there. And in this case, they're, they're still trying to do the same thing, but they can actually put in somebody on the soundstage to stand in while they're talking to somebody or interacting with something. And they don't have to worry about, Oh, we have to clip him out later because the computer doesn't give a shit if somebody else is there. Cause it doesn't see it. Right. So that's extremely beneficial in, uh, in the process. So, uh, a lot of that stuff changed my mind on, uh, having voice or having actual actors come in and play roles and stuff like that for games. So long as they're, they're, you know, fitted to that character and, uh, have, you know, bring, bring that kind of respect to the industry. It's, it's, uh, a very different uh, shift from where we were at a long time ago. Yeah. You still have uh, instances uh, usually with uh, unproven titles. Yeah. Um, where they'll, they'll spend a lot of money and, and bring in a very well-known actor or actress for their voice talent. And in all reality, that money could have been better used for, you know, uh, items for the game itself. Yeah. And you could have used an, a regular voice actor that probably would have done a better job for versus more on like an assets and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 They're like, well, that's like the, uh, well, there's, there's some games that don't have mocap at all. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. uh, was it 12 minutes? I think that's what it's called. Uh, that one has, uh, it's God, top down game. Yeah. Yeah. It well the in the voice actors are all you know highbrow, uh, well I should say higher brow than what you know what I would typically expect. They weren't like typical voice actors. I think you had uh, uh, Mary Elizabeth uh, Winstead. Winstead, you had uh, oh god damn it. Hey, this is the one that has uh, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe is in it. Oh. I can't remember the other guy, but. Uh, of course, real fake fact, you actually can't use motion capture with Willem Dafoe. The uh, computer will kill itself because it'll be terrified. It's terrified when he smiles uh, at anything. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, it's it's one of those games where it didn't need any of that like highbrow uh, Hollywood actors to be attached to it. And you felt like, I feel like you guys could have put your money in something else. Um, yeah, like making a better game is, <laughs> uh, not that that game's horrible. It's just, it's kind of short and it's not, uh, it's not, it doesn't really have any replay value in my opinion. Yeah. Some, some of these, uh, these actors and actresses have, you could have afforded to give your team a bonus, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, giving, you know, affording a, to give your team a bonus, uh, Square Enix, with the money that you made back from, uh, or that you made from selling off studios that you should have never sold off, you could have turned around and taken that money and put it in so many different investments, like investing in your own people, investing in uh, 
different portions of your company, but no, instead they've continued to double down on NFTs. And uh, that's gotten even worse since they apparently had a presentation that uh, they believe in NFTs and cryptocurrency and the metaverse is the future. Never mind the fact that, and they sat there and they said, the metaverse is, isn't entertainment. And, I, and instantly everyone who saw it went, yeah, they're right. It's a fucking joke. Uh, I don't know, Square Enix, I don't know who in your company thinks or is, is pushing so hard for this stuff and thinks this is the future. It might be the future in 40 years. You know, I think it was the undercover agent for Sony. Like, oh, we can break right? ripped up and buy him. Yeah, so on top of that, with the, this new investment in NFTs, apparently, and I'm glad you brought up Sony, because apparently uh, there are a lot of uh, talks that Square Enix is going to be selling off some of its properties to Sony. So uh, if that's true, or if even it's Sony is going to buy up Square Enix, it wouldn't surprise me in the least, but I don't understand what the fuck Square Enix is doing. Um, are you guys, are you guys real? Are you guys trying to turn yourselves into the next Konami, like investing in Pachico machines and, uh, going with gambling because it, co- it costs less and you make more money back. Cause I think that's probably what it seems like, but to invest your, your money into NFTs and thinking that the metaverse is the bright future of currency and humanity and where people are going to be working in the future and all that bullshit. I hate to tell you this, but developers from VR, from gaming, from you know, film industry, CG gra- CGI graphics, they saw how much it was costing Facebook for the metaverse and what it actually provided. And they sat there and said, how is this costing you a billion dollars a month? It's a joke. It's insane. And this whole idea that we're going to end up in a world like Ready Player One at this stage, this quickly, is just dumb. Like even in Ready Player One, Ready Player One wasn't Ready Player One right away. No. The the world that they the Oasis didn't exist right away. VR had been out for years, and and they talk about the fact that VR had been out for years. That they had had other foriers into other things with VR before the Oasis was ever created. And the only reason why the Oasis became a success, a such a success, was because the headsets and everything that were created for it were so immersive and different than anything else that had come before that it instantly created an environment that people wanted to be part of. But that's not what's happening with the metaverse. That's not what's happening. What's happening with, with Facebook's venture of trying to force the metaverse. Yes. They, they have the Oculus rift and all that stuff that they paid a fortune for, and they want to be able to use that and be able to turn that into something. I, I get that. But using it to walk around Walmart is probably not your good bet. Right? <laughs> Trying to get people to think that they can go into the metaverse and have a job in the metaverse and make money in the metaverse that is only spendable in the metaverse. I mean, it, where does this translate into the real world is the problem I have. Yeah. None of it does. Square Enix, your NFTs and your your cryptocurrency that you want to create for yourself, your own cryptocurrency that you want to create so that you can have people work for you and work, you know, essentially (laughs) work in the metaverse to make money in the metaverse that's only spendable with you because it's your own currency. Are are you going to do you have a grocery store that we don't know of? Does Square Enix have gas? Do, Do they make gasoline? 
No, they don't do any of those things. So what are you, what are you going to be able to spend your money on? It's not going to be real world objects, the things that you need to live, or are they going to just hook you up to, you know, a soylent green machine and that's what you're going to suck down your throat. Right. Just (laughs) none of that makes sense. Leasing it. leasing your brain out for uh, crypto mining. Yeah. It just seems, yeah, it just seems like the dumbest (laughs) fucking investment I've ever heard of. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, it stay committed guys. Double down. (laughs) Speaking of staying committed, uh, apparently team fortress two, and I didn't know this team fortress two has had one of the most dedicated player bases in the entirety of steam. And by what I mean by dedicated, they've had a, they, they literally have hundreds of thousands of players per week. Listeners, that's impressive for a game that came out what decade over a decade ago. Right. When did team forces come out? Does anybody remember? God, it's like, it came, it came out fucking on the PS three and the Xbox 360. So I remember the orange box on 360. Yeah. That was like a good, I think it's been like 20 20 years. years. Yeah. yeah, that's still impressive. They still got a player base. It came out years. in two thousand seven. Two thousand seven—that's fifteen yeah. years. That's insane. So for fifteen years, your game has been played. Jesus Christ! What, did you guys have like how many fucking hats did you give people? You guys remember that shit? <laughs> Their big DLC drops oh, were no. hats. Mm-mm. Yeah, it was, I do. Yeah, it was it was a it was a joke because people were like they'd hear about like Steam working on new stuff and like yeah we're looking forward to it and it would turn out just be like hats shit like that. People thought it would be like Team <laughs> Fortress Three. They thought it'd be like Portal Three stuff like that. Like a, a fucking Half Life Three that's never gonna happen. Uh, and nope, it would just yeah. be hats. So here's the weird thing: uh, after years of neglect that uh, Valve is absolutely guilty of. Listeners, I will freely admit that. Keep in mind, this game's been played for 15 years. Name a game that you know of that's been supported that long by any developer. And and it isn't a paid service. There isn't one. It doesn't exist. So players are so pissed off and and are revolting against Valve and sitting there saying, you know, we're not going to play your game. I don't think Valve gives a shit, guys been 15 years i think valve is trying to send you a clue of move the fuck on we're not making new content we're not making new things for you we're not going to be doing any of that shit jog on and i think that's try the message they're trying to send you i'm not yeah. saying that it's right and i'm not saying that you know they're not dicks for doing it but at the same time it's been 15 fucking years and you've been playing the same fucking game for that long seriously here's the craziest part Valve could have had a, a games as a service without even trying with this game. This would have, this would have, this is basically their Overwatch. And they didn't even do what Overwatch has been doing. How does that make any sense to anyone? This is what I was talking about, listeners, way back when I said that Halo didn't need all of the content drops. Halo never needed any of that stuff because their community would have just kept going and kept playing the game. Yeah. That's exactly what this is. A community that just said, this is a great game. We're not going to shift over to something else because they're not going to make something else like this. So we're just going to keep playing this because it's available. And that's the way Halo was 
for years. And all of a sudden now Halo needs to be a games as a service because they don't know what else to do. And they, they don't want to, the other thing is with Microsoft, they don't want people just playing Halo forever and only getting, you know, only buying map packs and stuff like that. They want to be making money constantly off their crowd that will continue to play their game for years to come. That was the whole reason for switching to games as a service valve. You could have done this without even fucking trying no joke. So that's where I'm confused as to how the fuck did you guys not capitalize on this? But now that's because not going to happen 15 years ago <laughs> because it was 15 years. Well, yeah, because it was 15 years yeah. ago, but uh, here's the thing, your gaming community, it took 15 years listeners and it took the last at least three years where bots have been going on there and exploiting the game and ruining the game for everybody else. It's made it unplayable for most of their players and their players expect valve to do something about it. It's been 15 years, guys. What game continues to get fucking updates and service like that? 15 Although years I later. I think it was maybe World of Warcraft. Again, paid service. Yeah. yeah. So name a game that doesn't have that. Name a game that doesn't have a subscription service that never has been a paid service. Warframe. Warframe makes money. They make money off of in, in-game purchases. How much does Team Fortress make? But it is free to play. Free. Mm-hmm. free it is free to play. play. But it, here's the thing. If words. <laughs> it, it is free to play you're correct but if everybody only played it for free forever and that's the only thing do you think it would have it would continue to get that no. no no it would drop off instantly so team fortress is the same thing there's nothing that requires you to purchase anything in it but you think that valve's gonna bring back support we're talking about a company no. that can't even make a third game guys i'm just trying to get through to the fans of team fortress 2 the fact of Maybe you should give up the ghost. I get that you love the game and that Valve has allowed you to play on their servers for this long. But I think they're trying to send you a message of we don't care anymore. And one last thing, listeners, I want to jump in and uh, add an extra two cents to this. Uh, I've been learning more and more about the situation. And as as of now, Valve has gotten back to them. But apparently Valve has been making money off of this. I mean, just uh, last year, I guess two years ago, they had an event where they had raised over $10,000 for St. Jude's Hospital uh, with the players of Team Fortress. I mean, it's still going on somehow strong and it's been 15 years and I don't understand how if it, Valve, if you're still making money off of this, you should have fixed this a long time ago. They should have never gotten to this point. And at the same time, if you wanted this game to go away and just not deal with it anymore, then you should have been a little less subtle and just said, we're shutting off the servers. Thank you to the community and stopped asking for $20 for the game. Cause I mean, through the, the, I guess through the shop on there, they've been making money because people make transactions and stuff like that through their steam wallets. And every time you make a transaction or make anything off of anything on steam, through trade or whatever valve gets a cut of that just a little bit just like a couple of cents at a time but still if they're making some money it's not like they're not making anything off of it and clearly it's been lucrative enough for them to continue to have the servers so what what the fuck this whole situation is just completely fucked and i don't understand it valve you should have been more direct or you should have fixed it that's where it comes down to and thankfully they finally responded i'm more Disappointed that Valve didn't try to uh, panhandle some uh, Team Fortress 2 NFTs. 
uh, Steam is or Valve is exceedingly against NFTs, considering Steam is owned by Valve, and the policy on Steam is that no game is allowed on Steam that deals with NFTs because they know that NFTs are a scam. They know that cryptocurrencies they don't even allow cryptocurrency on their pro- on their platform because they've lost millions of dollars per year to cryptocurrency because of cryptocurrency scams. Something they're trying to think. Of. Yeah, I think uh, non-subscription wise, your best comparison would be maybe Diablo Two. I can maybe see that. Almost two decades as well, and it was still getting updated. Yeah. Okay. I mean, now it's you know the uh, what what the fuck do they call it? It's the remaster, which apparently doesn't work very well. Well, Diablo Two also is primarily being updated by the community itself, too. Mm. Uh, a lot of a lot of the official patches were actually created by hacker by hackers. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, which is really funny, but yeah, I, I get what you mean. Like the fact that like it's I mean it, it's very rare though, right? So oh yeah, absolutely. Ex- like it, I mean, it's, it's rare for a game to survive as long as that. Regardless, you know, most games are you know you complete. Uh, if, I mean, if it's got a story, usually you complete the story. And if it has any replay value, you go through it X amount of times and you're done. Right. You know, not a whole lot of people sit there and just rehash the same thing over and over again. Yeah. There are people that do that, but <laughs> not many. So that kind of, you know, that that kind of wraps up most of what I wanted to bring up this week. Uh, when listeners see what happens, when we have an efficient list. <laughs> Uh, and we actually uh, get to talk about stuff. So, um, is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up from, from any of this, uh, from this past, you know, two weeks or, or so that I might've missed? Uh, I don't know if we covered it last time or not, because I don't remember if it happened within the, the, the time period where we were off or whatever, uh, WB games being bought up. Oh Yeah. No, that's a that's a good point. I don't I think mean, we actually talked another, about it. Another, yeah, another, uh, and that was from the. Uh, I think we did bring it up because they're they're they were being bought by the Embracer Group, right? Yeah. WB. No, that's no Embracer no, Group's picking up the. Uh, that, that was uh, the, the IDOS Group the studios. Yeah, that was the studios that Square yeah. Enix sold off. Yeah. Oh, no, okay. the the WB thing is is relatively new. Uh, but no, they're they're looking at selling off WB Games. And having that picked yeah. up, which is interestingly, interestingly enough, is happening when they're still trying to come out with a Harry Potter open world game, which is odd for for that to be sold off at the, or for you to sell off your company at the same time uh, as you're trying to promote a a game that's supposed to be coming out. And uh, that kind of confused me as to like, do they just not have any faith in the product? Are they just wanting to get out of games in general? I mean, keep in mind, Warner Brothers games listeners have made all the Lego games as well. Um. Or I shouldn't say all of them. They've been associated with a majority of the of the Lego games. Uh, right. So it's kind of confusing as to like what's going on with that. Uh, this has been like a the year. This is going to be like the year of acquisitions and uh, was it uh, liquidations uh, I don't know for the game studios? Consolidation studios. Yeah. yeah. Consolidating. Yeah. Uh, the, the funny thing to me is, is the vast amount of people that are like, Oh, Sony needs to buy this and this and this and this, like I heard what Sony's budget was for acquisitions. Like they're pretty much tapped out for the year unless they make special yeah, allocations. 
Sony they're, they're has not anything else. When, it, when it comes to the PlayStation versus Xbox, PlayStation has more money than Xbox. Yeah, we know that. When it comes to Microsoft versus Sony, though, that's different. Yeah, Microsoft, that's the big boy. That's you have to think of them like subdivisions. So you have Sony and Microsoft. Sony owns Sony Pictures, PlayStation. They also have tele, they also have their television divisions. All of these things that are subcategories are underneath an umbrella of a large corporation. It's just like Microsoft. Microsoft has laptops, they have software, and they have Xbox. They have a couple other th- other things like Azure and stuff like that, so, or server stuff. But Microsoft as a company, as the whole, they have a oh, lot man. more money than Sony Government does as contracts. a whole. Yeah. That, that's where, that's yeah, where the difference is, is that Microsoft can buy anyone. Sony yeah, cannot much. buy everyone. PlayStation. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, even, uh, Microsoft, even with the uh, Bethesda, Mm-hmm. And the Activision acquisition, they still have plenty of money left over for the year. Yeah. Uh, for what they allocate for acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Like they can still buy stuff. PlayStation might be able to buy some small studios here and there, yeah. but I highly doubt anything like EA or WB. Yep. You know, anything like that. Yeah. PlayStation is given a specific budget from their corp, their parent corporation, just like, just like Xbox is from Microsoft. The difference is that Microsoft is willing to step in and say, we'll front, we'll front the bill. You don't need to worry about it. Yeah. And Sony has a lot of other projects on top of that. Now, Sony could do the same thing. Sony could turn around and say, fuck it. We'll just, we'll spend the money and we'll get them anyways. They could absolutely yeah, do yeah, that. They can reallocate the funds, yeah, you know, but it's, changes. but it's a far higher risk for Sony than it is for Microsoft. Yeah, absolutely. And Xbox is getting, you know, and, and when the reasons, the risk, listeners, the reason why I give this, the saying of like Xbox has less money than PlayStation because Xbox overall works on a smaller budget than PlayStation does every year. Why PlayStation's a much bigger brand, much bigger, much uh, more, it's considered more valued. So they're giving a certain a amount of brand. Yeah, they're certain, they're given a certain amount of money, especially since the fact that they sell exceedingly well in Japan comparatively. So Microsoft has Xbox run off a smaller budget. But there's a big difference between Sony or PlayStation going to 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 mama and daddy and saying, "Hey, we need more money." Then Xbox going, "Hey daddy, can I get some more money?" and daddy just goes, "Yeah, what do you need?" The <laughs> <laughs> big difference. So, yeah, there's there's a a a big multitude uh, factor when it comes to budgets that are they're allotted for that yeah and um, sony's already spent most of their budget in first party titles and their current absolutely. studios they have so but we'll see uh there's still rumors going around that say sony is in talks with square enix like we said that sony's mm-hmm. in talks with other studios there's a big rumor that sony's actually looking at just straight out buying square enix which right. if that, that one, actually that one i can under that yeah. one's a little bit more tangible, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Given their relationship that they've had uh, in the past and the fact that uh, they're both Japanese companies. So, uh, you know, technically, even though Sony's move, even though Sony moved PlayStation to their headquarters to Los Angeles, it doesn't change the fact that they're still a Japanese owned company. <clears throat> so I think there, there'd be a little more agreeable wiggle room between the two of them of what, you know, Sony's yeah. willing to pay for and, you know, kind of uh, how they work out with stocks and stuff like that for the company overall. It would not surprise me in the least if Sony bought Square Enix and turned around and said, we're, we're dropping the NFT bullshit. 
we're not doing that. Yeah. But I mean, trying to, but I mean, it's a smaller, in, in my opinion, anyways, uh, it's a smaller, it'd be a much smaller acquisition than trying to do anything with EA, WB games or Ubisoft. Cause Ubisoft was one of the ones that was touted too. Yeah. Um, Ubisoft. Yeah. Ubisoft. That's, that's been a weird situation. Listeners, we talked about this last podcast, but that's been a weird situation of Ubisoft is absolutely, it definitely seems like Ubisoft is trying to clean up house so they can seem uh, a little more worth the money. Yeah. They're entertaining. Yeah. Uh, bids. So that, you know, I don't want to see everything go to Microsoft. I don't want to see everything go to Sony, but I kind of want them to stay the fuck out of the hands of, you know, corporations like Disney or I agree. Yeah. Comcast. (laughs) Yeah. Not to say that we, we don't really like listeners. We don't really appreciate Sony or PlayStation's uh, latest, you know, I should say late, not really latest, but over the last several years, their uh, foyer into censorship on their own games. Because uh, yeah. listeners, you've heard our policy. We are all for let's take away the uh, let's take away the guardrails, let's take away the uh, the safety nets, and let people say whatever the fuck they want, and let people you know show whatever the hell they want in their games. I am all for that. There's age ratings for a reason. Yeah, there's a yeah. There's a rating system. Though we have this for a reason. Trust in it, and uh, let people make their own choices. And figure shit out themselves. So, uh, but we'd rather see them own a company because at least we know Sony's mostly in the business of making quality products and making quality games, which is why I'm willing to forgive them not putting their first party titles into uh, PlayStation Now. I'm just not going to use PlayStation Now. Yeah. Yeah. And the Uh, acquisitions that Sony has picked up are ones that they already very closely work with oh yeah there's not really a change in business when it comes to that whereas like with xbox we'll see how things go with bethesda and activision blizzard over the next several years yeah yeah i mean the you know from from the time the better but i don't i don't hold out a whole lot of hope (laughs) yeah from the time when sony bought up sucker punch you know naughty dog insomniac like these are studios that they've had really close relationships with, whereas which you know gives credence to what you were talking about with Square Enix or the fact that they've had a really good relationship with Square Enix. It wouldn't yeah. surprise us in the least. Yeah, there's a lot of exclusivity there to begin with. Yeah. Now, whether or not Sony would continue that exclusivity with certain projects like Kingdom Hearts or something like that, I don't know. I don't see them doing it right away, to be honest, because... There's a lot of money to be made when things are cross-platform, and I think Sony sees that, especially with what happened with uh, MLB The Show. (laughs) And one of the things that pushed them to make MLB The Show and allow that to be cross-platform, even though it's made by one of their studios, uh, it's it's cross-platform because Major League Baseball sat there and saw the numbers and went, we are literally excluding an entire half of a gaming population on a different console just because we're staying exclusive with you guys and it doesn't work out financially to continue to do this. So Sony went, well, technically we can't be the publisher because of our own policies going over to a, do a, to a competitor's policy, but you guys can be the publisher. (laughs) And since we just make money off of each other, that works out for both of us. So that's how that's, that's how it's explained on why MLB is the pub, the publisher now for uh, San Diego studios. uh, MLB of the show. 
So Major League Baseball is their publisher. That's how they rework the contract so they can go on both consoles. But Sony makes a shit ton of money because it's their studio making the game. So regardless of where of where it's at, Sony's making out pretty good. And so is MLB, uh, which is kind of surprising why EA didn't kind of take the same route of, yeah, we should totally renegotiate and allow you guys to be the publisher. And uh, since it's our studio making the game, it's EA Sports making the game. We're now the developer and we work out a contract where we both benefit from this and both make a lot of money. But instead they were dumb with FIFA and went, nope, fuck it. (laughs) And just threw away $6 billion a year. Smart choice, EA. I mean, that's what they're used to with Bobby Kotick. They're used to throwing away tons of money every year. That's Activision. Ah, yeah, I always fuck that up. I always fuck that up. Uh, yeah. Everybody, er, listeners, everyone in the group does that every now and then because, and keep in mind, Fucking it's because- League of Evil, okay? Yeah, it's, it's the, they're the Legion of Doom in gaming, and yeah. it's because we had we had argued for so long on which one was the worst company. And it, I mean, yeah. it turns out EA, it turns out EA is actually not as bad as, as Activision that we know of uh, because right. Activision had a lot of scandalous shit, and we talked about that before, but- uh, after hearing about that stuff and uh, reaffirming how much of a piece of shit Bobby Kotick is, we went, okay, yeah, well, Activision, you you get the devil award. You're the devil and, and EA is the Antichrist. So got it in, in gaming. Sweet. Right. There's no more competition. You're, you're the big bad. They're the other big bad. Uh, do we like either one of them? No. I renamed Activision IOI in my head. Yeah, they're basically yeah. that. Yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah, although that that uh, even though uh, IOI Interactive has made some uh, terror or some bad choices with uh, Hitman Three, it kind of gives them a bad reputation. Just want to point out, IOI Interactive is the one that makes Hitman, so they're hopefully still a good company. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> but uh, moving on to reviews, since we uh, we should probably get closer to closing out. Uh, you guys have been playing Tribes of Midgard, which is a, a game included on Game Pass. Right? No, yeah. no, no, no. You guys have been playing it on PlayStation, right? It was no, a, it was uh, a free. It was, no, it was the whatever, included on PlayStation Plus game for yeah, yeah, free game for PlayStation for the month. Yeah, my fault. It was included in PlayStation Plus. Yep. It's I mean it it's exactly what I expected it to be. Um, you know, it was a game that originally I was kind of really intrigued in and and interested in when it was first unveiled, and then uh, it was getting some pretty bad reviews and uh, was having a lot of bugs reported. Yeah. And I was like, ah, never mind. And, uh, but you know, included is included. So um, the game's fine. Yeah. It's, it's nothing amazing, but it's a good little jump in and uh, you know, base defense resource management kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No, it's, you know, with Viking flavor. Yeah. That's cool. It's got yeah, some adventure to it. You can goof off a little bit, but you still yeah. got to do a lot of base maintenance. So if you're not okay with that kind of game that requires you doing management skills, you're probably not going to like it. Yeah, Anderson, yeah. you and I were chat. You and I were in chat for a while while you were playing it, and uh, you played it for quite a while. Um, it seemed like overall the system, like it sounded from from what, how you were describing, it, it sounds like the systems overall uh, function as expected. It's not hard to figure out. It's not hard to play. Um, it's just uh, you have to be really kind of in the mood for that style of play, right? Yeah. 
It's a very yeah, I don't mind. game. Because it just allows me to refocus my brain a bit when I was playing it, so that part I do enjoy. Yeah. I don't know how the fuck you got to day nine or ten or whatever by yourself. <laughs> I made fuck you, like, I'm Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> I made it to like day seven, day eight, and I already lost a gate. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think I even died once. I don't remember. Yeah, so listeners, like, just so you guys know, it has kind of a tower defense elements in there. Um, yeah. Where you have to, you know, you have to build up your fortress and build up your, your, it sounds like it's a lot closer or it's a little closer to how Fortnite was originally described and supposed to be a little bit um, yeah. before it became a, a battle Royale uh, exclusive. Well, um, it was Fortnite because it was the name for you making forts and protecting yourself from zombie defenses. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For a now there's no, zo- and then there's now there's no zombies. Yeah. Still the biggest fucking kick in the crotch I've I've received from the <laughs> gaming world. <laughs> oh yeah, that I think that one kind of permanently put a stain on Epic's uh, Epic Games uh, reputation with all oh, of yeah. us. Even me, and I wasn't a huge Fortnite fan, but it was fun playing with each other. And when we when we started playing the uh, uh, early access, the beta. yeah, yeah. When it, as soon as it went. Uh, battle royale listeners if you weren't there for the early access period as soon as it went battle royale it was over there was nothing else coming out for for story mode there was nothing else coming out for anything else and that game completely turned into just a shit sandwich to us it was just well this sucks what the fuck happened it was right around the same time as we were getting problems. You know, we had uh, Mass Effect be shit. We had then Anthem become shit. We had Fallout seventy six. It was all these things. Are just like, man, we are not going to have faith in these companies ever again. Yeah, it's been steadily dropping since then. <clears throat> I don't like any of us pre order anymore. None of us. Yeah. Like the only game coming out, the only two games coming out that might interest is probably the Quarry, which is next month. Yeah. And Shredder's Revenge. And that's it. Yeah, I went ahead and pre-ordered the, the Courier on, uh, on Steam, by the way, because it was on uh, CD Keys. I don't know if I told you guys this. Listeners, this is for you, too. Uh, CD, key, CD Keys has the Quarry for, uh, I think it was $47.90 something, um, rather than the $60 for PC. If, uh, if you're looking to get it on PC, that's probably a good choice. I think on current-gen consoles, it's still going to be 70 bucks. Sorry. But anyways, I just wanted to get that out there before I forgot. Uh, but I interrupted uh, Miles. My fault. Yeah, I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> it's all good. Wasn't you important. know what? With Trides of Midgard, if you have a PlayStation membership, just download, give it a try, see what you think. Yeah. All right. We're big. We're big fans of letting you make your own decision. <laughs> Absolutely. I've uh, been playing uh, Jurassic World Evolution <coughs> 2 a little bit. Oh, the second one? How was <laughs> it? Xbox? It's, it's been I've, funny I've had, to hear I've, over chat, listeners. Cause I, like, I, <laughs> so, listeners, I played the first one. The first one was great. It was a lot of fun. Uh, except yeah. it, requires, uh, it requires a little too much. For a zoo simulator, essentially, it requires a little bit too much. Uh, Management. Yeah, it, it's a Maintenance. it's a it's a micromanagement, micromanagement game, and it's and it's kind of a yeah. pain in the ass after a while. And 
Well, it's uh, that chaos mic- system they put into it that causes the shit to just break down way too much. Yeah, if I'm going to play a micromanagement simulator like that, I'm going to go play SimCity, like a, a SimCity ty- title or, uh, right. you know, that that kind of thing. Because at least those I can turn around and put on God mode and instantly and just, you know, go, go to town. Uh, whereas at the time when I was playing Evolution, they didn't have like a way of just transitioning over to like, you know, free to, you know, feel free to build whatever the fuck you want. You had to go through the story mode and uh, it was fun. So I was, I, I mean, I've been curious to check out evolution two and see how, it, how it is, but uh, you've been playing it. It's been very funny to hear some of the stories you've been telling me from your your yeah, gameplay. I've, I've, I've had some fun with it uh, so far. It, it, <clears throat> it does have a fair amount of like little glitches here and there. I had to, uh, um, I basically had to kind of relaunch a save at one point because it wouldn't let me <sighs> treat a sick dinosaur because I didn't have the right uh, skilled scientists and it wouldn't let me fire okay. the scientists I had to hire the ones I needed. Uh, but as soon as I reloaded the game, it cleared the queue for it so I could you know, make those changes. Um, but a lot of little things here and there. Uh, it feels like the fucking security fences don't do shit at all, which is, <laughs> you know, kind of, you know, traditional in all reality uh, for the Jurassic Park uh, uh, lineage. <laughs> You've hired Jason Nedry. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Vargo's laughing his ass off because uh, I had to uh, go capture some uh, carnivores and i was like well i don't have a whole lot of money right now let me start kind of small and so i went with uh capturing five dilophosaur and uh they oh, immediately man. had rabies that broke out and ate two people so yeah i was like well yeah this is about par for the course <laughs> But it was funny. Spare um, no expense. <laughs> Spare no expense. Chilean sea bass and Ford Explorers for everybody. Oh, man. I'm looking forward to uh, Sniper Elite 5 popping up on uh, Game Pass. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Just a couple days. Yeah. I've been uh, been going through Sniper Elite 3 uh, again and... Uh, completely forgot a lot of the controls and uh it that some of that's been been kind of frustrating to try and remember how to play it but it's been fun and i'm like man i'm actually looking forward to sniper elite five uh four was okay it wasn't quite as good as the the previous entry so i'm hoping five kind of nails it it was one of those situations of uh it's more of the same like i'm enjoying myself but there's yeah. nothing to set it aside yeah i think this one's supposed to have a co-op as well for the campaign. The last one actually had co-op, but it wasn't yeah, oh, it? an actual can actual uh, story campaign. Okay. Yeah. Supposedly. Yeah. Cause I don't the, work, bring in Justin. <laughs> oh God. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> we've already, we've already, no offense, Justin, if you ever hear this, but we've already decided that you're not going to be involved in our, in our D and D campaign when we actually get that going. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> we will already have a Leroy Jenkins in the room. We don't need to. Well, we already have two. We don't need a three. What do you mean by two? One, well, yeah, not correction. Josiah is going to be DM. Yeah, I was going to say. Correction. <laughs> Josiah is not Leroy Jenkins. He never, anyone, except for maybe us. Yeah. <laughs> when he gets frustrated with DM. us, he throws a fucking yeah. dragon in the middle of it. 
Uh, I'm thinking about picking up a hundred-sided die just for emergencies. Yeah, a lot of like, I see the hundred-sided die, and I just go, "That's fucking bonkers." <laughs> That's kind of pointless. It's just going to keep rolling like a fucking golf ball. Yeah, I'm just saying that if you hit like a hundred, you're on your character automatically goes Super Saiyan. <laughs> so, <clears throat> um. If that's all we have for for games, I'm going to move on to shows and anime. Sure. All right. So, listeners, I've been watching uh, Spy X Family, and that is a lot of fun. It's a good story. It's uh, been available on it's not available on Crunchyroll. It's still going through on the U.S. or the uh, English dub. I think they're almost done with the the Japanese airing. I it might be. Uh, might have a couple more episodes to go. Usually uh, a lot of anime just runs 12 episodes for a season. So I'm expecting kind of that like 12, 13 episodes for just the one season. But uh, it's a lot of fun. I think the, uh, the English uh, dubbing is really well uh, done. The actors they chose for each of the parts is very well suited for each character. And it's a funny premise. It's a lot of fun to watch, especially if you're, if you have a family and like have kids, absolutely should watch it it's a lot of fun uh especially for for kids i think but it uh it's about a spy who is in a kind of a cold war situation with uh the east and west of his uh country that's uh, seems like a version of berlin that or not berlin of, of uh germany that turned into uh east and west germany without the uh the russian communism uh or uh, it it doesn't appear without it also doesn't appear that they've had a world war either so it's a comedy where the spy has been his entire life has just been a spy and he's been like the best in his game he's able to wear any disguise he's basically you know tom cruise uh in mission impossible where he just rips off the mask and he's suddenly himself again but he finally gets a task that he doesn't think he can actually do or worries about being able to do because it requires him to have a family and he's never had a family before. So he ends up having to go in a, he in order to accomplish his missions. He goes and adopts a kid. He then has to figure out how to get a, you know, how to get a wife, which requires him to get a woman to fall, like essentially fall in love with him and get married to him right away uh, while he has a child. <laughs> it sounds very ridiculous and off the wall. It is very ridiculous and off the wall, but it's a lot of fun. So I recommend it. Uh, another one is that's a, that's a comedy romance comedy. So I shouldn't say romance comedy. It's got some romance in it. It's mostly just a comedy, but it's called my senpai is annoying. Uh, I think I talked about this once before in the podcast, but I finally finished up the entire season and it was a lot of fun. It's really cute. Um, the main character is a, she's a, she's a grown woman, but she looks like she's a middle schooler. Uh, cause she's so tiny and everybody kind of treats her like she's a kid. And she hates the fact that her superior in her marketing job treats her like a child and doesn't see her as a, as a woman or just even an adult and capable of doing things of her are on her own sort of. So she's trying to kind of prove herself throughout the entire season. And in the meantime, uh, 
there's a lot of comedy involved between her and her superior. The fact that it seems like they're slowly building a romantic relationship or romantic feelings for one another, but they don't want to admit it and they don't want to talk about it. And uh, meanwhile, their friends kind of all see what's going on. <laughs> so a lot of fun. Oh, and he's ma- The guy, uh, of course, is massive. He's huge. Uh, almost like uh, uh, my love story. What else? Yeah. We're just this yeah, massive hulking name. human being. <laughs> Takaro or yeah, Takeo, I think is it. But uh, yeah, fucking crazy. Uh, but uh, it's kind of like that that aspect of like you know you have a really big person and he's next to this you know small little woman and uh, people often see they're like oh that must be a that must be a father with his daughter. (laughs) A lot of the times it's very kind of awkward, but. Uh, it's a, you know, it's worth a watch. I'd give it a, I'd give it a go. Currently, I think it's only available on Funimation though. So might have to wait for that to come to Crunchyroll if you're on Crunchyroll or if you are switching over to Crunchyroll because Funimation is going away. Uh, yeah, that whole thing is just fucking retarded and confusing. Sony, you need to get, you need to get that shit fixed, man. Just saying if you have a Crunchyroll account, everybody should, everybody on Crunchyroll should be able to access Funimation instantly until you can switch the entire library over because it's the same goddamn company. Just saying. Doesn't make any sense. Two subscriptions is fucking stupid. So, uh, movies. Listeners, Anderson got to go see uh, Doctor Strange last week. I put his review into the podcast, obviously. I got to see it um, by other means. <laughs> As did Loach. Uh, he and I disagree on some things with it. We give it, we give it, actually give it close to the same rating. Now, here's the thing, listeners. Now, I do not like Doctor Strange in the in the Multiverse of Madness, and I it it's a weird conversation to have because it's one of those things of like, is it worth seeing in the theaters? Spectacularly, uh, the spectacle of CGI is freaking phenomenal, and I could totally see why anyone would want to see this in theaters. Or even telling people that they should see it in theaters just for that aspect alone. But at the same time, the story sucks. The story is garbage. And that's where it kind of gets to be like, and Loach and I had a good conversation back and forth of like the things that we liked, the things that we didn't like. There's plenty of stuff in there and I can't really go into any of it without getting into spoilers. So I won't go into spoilers, but I will tell you that the main reason why I don't like it is because I felt like I watched two hours of two characters that I actually like being completely deconstructed wasn't uh wasn't a fun experience and on top of that there's kind of a bait and switch of the fact that the main character is actually just america chavez a character who is a hispanic superhero whose actual ability is crossing borders that's her superpower Marvel Disney, were you guys doing that as a joke like was that like an inside joke for everyone like because i I really want to know like, did you, did you, did you not pick up on that? That that's, that's <laughs> kind of fucking ridiculous. Anyways. They definitely rewrote her character for what her abilities are. She has that ability in the comic books. She just in Dude, general. America Chavez in the comic books. Listeners, America Chavez in the comics is ridiculous. Her character is literally, sidekick. her character is, yeah. re, is insane on the simple fact that she's just given an ability every fucking, it feels like every fucking issue at it. It's just, it's like convenient plot armor. 
her abilities are just convenient. Like it's convenient to the story. She fucking literally in the comic books punched a person in the face who was made up of black holes. And then her response to how she was able to do it was fuck you physics. I'm not even exaggerating. So she's a cartoon character. Might as well be. She belongs in the fucking Looney Tune universe. Realistically, she's not even important anyways. Like her comics never sold. Yeah, and they well, that's what's yeah. funny is you bring up the fact that her comics never sold well, but Marvel continuously says the ever popular America Chavez. When Marvel, when has she ever been popular? I can't, I can't right. name one person I know that even knows who the fuck she is, other yeah, than I didn't hear Anderson until recently. <laughs> well, it's like we could bring it off a tangent, like they're trying to make an Ironheart show, and I think both Fargo and I just started laughing. Oh, Ironheart. Yeah. Ironheart is yeah. if if it's based off the comic books, count me the fuck out. That is the most like it Ironheart, like I loved listeners, I loved the idea of Ironheart. I always thought like, all right, it'd be kind of cool to have, you know, Tony Stark as a, you know, having his daughter or something like that becoming Iron Man or taking over as Iron Man. But the way that Ironheart is written is so laughably bad. It's intolerable. It was a propaganda piece. Well, it wasn't even really a crop propaganda piece. Like the funny thing is like, she's, she's literally written as a social justice warrior. Who's looking to be a victim. She's actually looking to be a victim. Wants her teacher to tell her that she can't be the next Iron Man. She can't be the next Tony Stark because she's a girl. I'm not kidding. Listeners. She wanted this from her teacher. She wanted her teacher to tell her that she couldn't do it because she was a girl and because she was black. And that she was going to have this rowing speech as a child and say that she will, she would grow up and do it and she would be able to do it. And the teacher, this is the way it's, the scene is written. The teacher, I don't know what the fucking writer, the the writer was trying to do. Like there was no way I could have liked a, a character like this by writing it this way. The teacher then turns around and goes, why would I do that? And just says, it's the modern era. This isn't an issue for women and for women or people of color anymore. So what, what the hell are you talking about? She was looking to be the victim. And the writer thought that that was going to be something fun for the re- for the readers and that we would support a character like that. No. She's terribly written and it's a terrible character. And I'm tired of having I'm, ha- I'm tired of having characters that are superheroes turned into tokenized characters. It's ridiculous. Anyways, uh, yeah, Doctor Strange was to me, it was not worth it, it. To me, it's not worth seeing in at least in the theaters. Uh, there are moments of brilliance from Sam Raimi that are absolutely Sam Raimi, but the rest of it just feels like studio dictated uh, by the numbers kind of deal. And I'll leave it at that. Next up, we have uh, the Spine of Night. What is that? All right. That's the new Shutter original came out. Spine of Night. It's a animated horror movie. And the entire movie, I would describe it as like a 80s hair metal Horror movie while taking mushrooms. So you're not selling me on this. <laughs> so. Uh, it's based basically kind of loosely based off medieval times. And the concept of this movie is that when people take and eat this flower, it causes them to get godlike powers. And they're just manipulating each other and killing each other off. And the story is. It's told like a story time. Like you were telling uh, stories of old and heroes and knights. 
Uh, it's an interesting movie to watch. I wanted to just cover it because very rarely do you come across like a an animated horror movie with a budget. Mm. Okay. And so, and then the, uh, the main character is voiced by yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, I, I think of, didn't realize. So you when I say animated. heavy metal, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when I say heavy metal, I'm thinking like think 1980s album covers. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Think Led Zeppelin, think that kind of stuff. Okay, gotcha. You know, you got a Valkyrie riding a tank in the air. All right. It's an interesting watch. I don't know if it's for everybody, but it's unique. It's something different. I just watched it just to see something different. That's fair. Yeah. We had the uh, the the brief discussion yesterday that uh, Vargo and I uh, that would be cool to see is a uh, horror movie set in the uh, Tolkien universe. Fuck yeah! Now yeah, we're about to get to that from that Amazon. Over the Rings in Middle Earth. Yeah, you'd have to stay like you'd have to stay lore fucking accurate, but it could be done. And you'd have to yeah. make sure you don't involve fucking characters that have been written by Tolkien at all, because otherwise people yeah. will lose their shit. And I can understand that and respect that. <laughs> no, we just we just don't get a whole lot of horror movies that aren't human. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get that. I wouldn't mind seeing a horror movie that takes place in like a fantasy realm. Yeah, I could see Absolutely. like the uh, one of the uh, one of the children of the uh, Spider Queen just terrorizing a town, right. or just the Spider Queen herself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking Shelob. Uh, just going there and going on a feeding frenzy. Or, you know, the, I mean, you know, you had the shit, the, 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 the diary from the Mines of Moria that set up a great fucking yeah. horror precedent. And like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would, I would be cool to see something crazy like that. Yeah. But. Yeah. And you'd have to be like, it, it'd be one of those things. Like you'd really have to stay like tell fans like, yeah, we're intentionally doing this. We're not doing it to be like the actual Tolkien itself we're doing it just yeah, for the just fun for of it setting yeah it's just yeah. for setting uh yeah unlike the rings of power where oh yeah we're just gonna take actual story fuck with it and completely change characters just because uh we're a studio and that's what we're we're known for doing is taking a roadmap and saying fuck the roadmap who needs a destination yeah it doesn't need any tie into any of the stories just some yeah. random location in middle earth random characters absolutely uh so next up, uh, Anderson, you watched uh, Chip and Dale and uh, not the strippers, right? No. Okay. So Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers just came out with a <laughs> live action Roger Rabbit's kind of esque movie with combined like live action and cartoon characters. Um, okay. When I first saw the trailer, I kind of didn't want to watch it, but you know, I was at home, something to watch. I saw it and I clicked on it. Uh, I think it's actually a pretty fun family film. Uh, what what I was not expecting is it actually had multiple different animation styles. Okay. Between the characters, so like the police chief is Gumby, and they kept the whole stop motion on that character. So wait, the uh, police chief is Bun is Gumby. Yeah, basically Gumby. That they had. I gotta they had say, a man, I gotta side. Yeah, I gotta uh, side with Loach on this. Of like, I'm not interested <laughs> at all. Just from here, like, I haven't seen anything for this. Keep in mind, I have not seen one trailer for it at all. I've seen screenshots of it, and that's it. And you describing that alone makes me go, no. Yeah, it just had a, what really surprised me on this movie is the fact that what other 
franchise they were able to get away with legally to put in the movie. It reminded me very much of the old school Roger Rabbits where Disney and Warner Brothers were playing friendly with each other. Yeah, it would be. Well, here's the thing. It would be one thing as if it was Rescue Rangers with, you know, if it was a movie like Roger Rabbit and it wasn't titled Rescue Rangers. But it's called Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, which means it should take place in the Chippendale Rescue Rangers universe, not whatever the so let me describe fuck the you just mentioned. So Chippendale. So what the whole premise of the movie is the fact that Chippendale was a TV show. And it's been years later, and they're trying to get the gang back together. And and the course of the whole thing, Monterey Jack gets kidnapped by a disgruntled cartoon character who gets a hold of sidekick characters and changes them and forces them to be versions of the movies they were popular in for extra cash. Wait. You're telling me Monterey Jack wasn't the main character? (laughs) (laughs) No, it was Ratchet. (laughs) <laughs> no it was zipper <laughs> fuck that fucking fly I think it was a fun family flick um, I wouldn't I don't know if it's recommended for like Vargo and Miles unless they just bored to watch it but I'm glad I didn't go to the movies and watch it yeah it's okay. not gonna be something yeah. to pay to see it's, I just I still have Disney plus at the moment yeah I have paid for the year. I'm probably not going to renew. I'm just not too impressed by Disney's catalog anymore. All right. But for the meantime, I'll watch what they got and see if I like it or not. Gotcha. But I think it was just a fun family flick. If you just, you know, you got a family night going on and can't figure out what you want to watch. I think it's okay to put on. You can watch it with okay. kids around. Gotcha. All right. Well, if uh, we're good on movies, move on to uh, comics and books, and this is all you, Anderson. All right, I finished the second Odd Thomas book. Uh, same narrator from the uh, first book. David Baker. David Baker. Yep. This one's called Forever Odd. Uh, it takes place a few months after the first book. And in this storyline, uh, one of his friends gets kidnapped. And with the ghost of Elvis Presley helps him catch his, find his friend. He comes right. across a new type of villain, because in the first book, the, the villain was kind of like these three guys who were cultists. In this one, he comes across a crazy-ass woman that has similar powers to him. Oh, okay. And she's obsessed with Thomas herself, like stalker-obsessed, unhealthy. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, because there's you know, probably not a whole lot of people that actually have their abilities. And it's just his entertainment afterwards, which leads into the third book, which I'm going to probably start this next week called Brother Odd. Okay. I think so far I'm enjoying the series. I love the first book and now I like the second one. So I'm very curious how the series is going to keep going. All right. Yeah, it's been a series I've been thinking about uh, getting into just because of the movie. And I, and I really enjoyed the movie and I kind of wish they had kept that going. But um. Yeah, I mean, if if the, only the exception way of get... missing some of the side characters, the movie was pretty was a pretty good adaptation. Yeah, with, well, I mean, books are you know books are usually generally better than the movies. <laughs> so, uh, I and I really enjoyed the movie. So, if I really enjoyed the movie, I'm sure I'm sure the books are probably pretty good. So, it's one I've been eyeing for a while. But I've been trying to get through everything else that I've been trying to read, and one of those is the Desmond series because you guys got me onto that. So, listeners, thank you for listening to us. We really do appreciate it. Whether you're a Vulcan or a Romulan, Sith or Jedi, we just want you to listen to us. Tell your friends about us. It's pretty much the only way we get around. 
This is Vargo. Miles. Anderson. Keep on geeking on. We're out. My life is like a video game, trying hard to beat the stage. All while I am still collecting coins. Trying hard to save the girl. Obstacles, I'm jumping hurdles. I'm growing up to be a big boy. A battle with the evil ways. I travel far and try and say, Sorry, but your princess isn't here. <laughs> Take the rest, I push the pause. Level up and move along in hopes that the next stage I will clear. Fucking past, asshole! I'm just trying to keep from dying. Down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, select, start. It's just a game.